Uh, turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to finish out a series uh, on the fruit of the Spirit. And we're going to read this, Galatians 5, and we're going to finish it out. And I want to tell you, I, it has been good for me uh, going through these, and I have learned a lot, and I'm continuing to learn a lot. I don't want to think I've, I've learned it all. Uh, I certainly have not. Uh, and so, uh, but I, I, I grew as we studied uh, this series that I thought was kind of, you know, simplistic in its approach, but certainly beneficial to me. The fruit of the Spirit. You know, the church in, in Galatia had gotten off track. They'd got back into legalism, and Galatians is a corrective letter. In fact, chapter 3 starts with, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? If I started my message like that with y'all, some of you would just, uh, you know, just feel led by the, some spirit to leave. But Paul was real strong with them, and he was correcting them, and he wanted them to get back into the flow of the Holy Spirit in their life. Uh, and he says this in verse 16, But I say then, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and they're contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. For the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelry, revelries, and the like. Everybody go, pew-wee. Man, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, or however, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, let me just say, this fruit of the Spirit is not fruits of the Spirit. It is the multifaceted manifestation of God's character to those who are walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh, who are living in the Spirit and being led by the Spirit. This is the multifaceted character of a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led believer. Everybody said amen. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and then everyone say the last one, self-control. And against such there is no law. So there's the fruit of the Spirit. We've been through it today. You know, last week we talked about meekness. Now, everybody say meekness isn't weakness. Last week we learned that meekness is God's imparted strength and character under the control and influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, by and large, we learned that it's it, that meekness is made, made manifest by how we relate to other people, correct? It's where strength under the control of the Holy Spirit. And, and it talks about wives. Remember, wives, you know, meek. And that's an external expression and a methodology and a way of life that we live towards other people. It's the strength of God under the influence and the control of the Holy Spirit. Now, temperance or self-control, I think King James calls it temperance, is some, is some added insight to inner strength. Okay, and let me explain it a little bit to you, but it has to do with how we live inside here. Are you with me? It helps us be better as a believer and a follower of Christ. I'll explain it to you. And, and though it's last, 
Though this temperance or self-control is last in the list, it is certainly not last in importance as we'll see in Scripture. And Paul, in many different places, brings this, uh, this fruit of the Spirit up in our life and how we add it into our life and, uh, and how we you know, make sure that we walk in this uh, in our life. And so the Greek word, it, it really... It, it's kind of two words, and I won't bore you with the, I'll try to, I can't even pronounce the Greek word, but it's from two words. How many of you know sometimes two words make one word? And, and these two words, the, the base two words is in, E-N, and then kratos, which means in strength or inner strength. So you get the picture there. You kind of get the picture? I'm going to put some flesh and, and, and meat on the bone here in just a moment. But uh, uh, so just catch that. It's inner strength, and I'll put some flesh uh, and some meat on the bone here. But New King James translates it self-control. Now, that's a little misleading, but it's not in the sense of a greater understanding of this fruit of the Spirit. In other words, understand something about you. In your own strength, you cannot control yourself. By and large, when it comes to being right with God and choosing the right things of God for your life. Uh, let me show you this passage of Scripture. It's not self-controlling self because how many of you have ever, uh, you've got a weakness in your life and you say, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to do that. And then the next morning you wake up and you do that. Are you with me? Look what Paul said in Romans. Romans chapter 8, let me show it to you. Verse 7. He says, but the carnal mind, let me just back up in verse 6. For to be carnally minded, that's fleshly minded, naturally minded. In other words, thinking just from a natural perspective, not necessarily sin, sinful, but just your, your natural person. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind, follow me, is enmity against God, it's the enemy of God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. What Paul just say? Our natural person is basically the enemy of God because we are fleshly, we are natural, we are not renewed as just human beings. That's why we need Jesus in our life so much. And so, so when you hear the word self-control, it's not self-controlling self. It's the power of the Holy Spirit operating on the inside of us. Are you with me? I'm going to further define it in a moment, but let me show it to you in Scripture. If you're in Romans, take a ride and go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm just building a little foundation, and then I'm going to end with some application that I think will be, sound real simple, uh, but it's a lifestyle, uh, a lifetime of application in our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul's given an illustration about the race we call life. How many of you know we're all in a race? Okay, he says this in verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. What he's saying there in your life, run to win. Everybody say run to win. I don't know about you, but as a believer, we need to run this race and run to win. Now, here's what he says. And everyone who competes for the prize, here's the word, is temperate, are self-controlled in all things. Everyone say all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. 
In other words, we're in this race called life. And Paul the Apostle says, let me tell you something. If you want to win, if you want to come to the close of your life and cross the finish line and hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, one of the key characteristics of your life has to be that you are temperate in all things. Now, he kind of builds a little foundation here. He says, therefore, I run thus, not as uncertainty. Thus, I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. He's beginning to give a little insight into this temperance, this self-control. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Now, let me build around that. I just told you it's not self-controlling self, but you think, well, it sounds like Paul says it's self-controlling self because he said, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. But we will also learn how we do that, and it's not in our own strength as Paul will explain to us momentarily. So this thing called temperance, it's vital for our long-term success. Having an inner self-strength uh, that comes from the Holy Spirit to be able to, to, to go and do and be what God wants us to go and do and be. Let me give you one more scripture, and then I'm going to kind of try to give you a simple definition. Here, Go, go all the way over uh, as Timothy to Titus. Titus, Paul is writing to Titus and giving him some qualifications for bishops and elders and leaders in the church. Look in verse 7. For a bishop, and that, he's not talking about Catholic position, he's talking about leadership. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just Holy, catch this, self-controlled, temperate, holding fast faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. Man, that's a great passage of Scripture for all of us. So we see that this thing called temperate self-control is vital for us as leaders, as parents, as role models, as church members, as people in the world. We need this temperance. So let me further define it. Let me kind of just give you some, uh, something to chew on and hang on to. Uh, gosh, it's inner strength provided by the Holy Spirit to help us master and control and rule ourselves by the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's a simple definition. The God-given ability to say no to sin and yes to Him. Everyone say, the God-given ability to say no to sin and yes to Him. Now, there's different manifestations, but I think that kind of melts it down. How many of you know, as, if you go back to Titus, that leaders in the church need to know how to say no to sin and yes to Him? And in the race called life, 1 Corinthians 9, if you're going to win in life, you got to learn how and you got to be disciplined. You got to be temperate in all things and have a character and a quality within you by the power of the Holy Spirit that says no to sin and yes to Him. Everyone say no to sin and yes to Him. Now, throughout Scripture, the Bible teaches us the value of this quality of being temperate or self-controlled. Proverbs, let me just read a couple of Proverbs to you. Proverbs 16, 32. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. 
Proverbs 25, 28. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down with no walls. So the capacity on the inside of us, remember meekness is the strength of God under the control of the Holy Spirit with how we deal with others. Temperance is the strength of God within us by the power of God on how we deal with ourselves. And how we deal with ourselves has everything to do with how we're going to deal with others. And so it's a it's 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 certainly the last on the list, but it is not last in importance on any level on any given Sunday. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, what we begin to understand is we all and you'll believe, you'll understand, we all have a common conflict. We all have the same inner common conflicts in our life. There's a battle going on in our life. And let me explain it to you this morning. Let me show you some scripture. Uh, in fact, look in Galatians 5.17. If you're there, go, I, I got away from it. Let me go back to it. Galatians 5.17, when he begins this, this discussion about the fruit of the Spirit and the, and the works of the flesh, he says, verse 17, For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. How many of you understand that conflict I'm talking about? The flesh and the spirit they battle with one another they war with one another and on a simple level I've heard this which one's going to win in your life and the answer is this whichever one you feed the most and I think in many ways that's so true we all share this inner conflict between the spirit and the flesh Paul the apostle, as I said earlier, was no uh, different. In fact, if you go back past Romans 8 to Romans 7, man, I, I appreciate Paul the apostle so much when he wrote this. He's, gosh, there's a lot here, but let me just jump in. Oh, gosh, uh, verse 13. I'm just going to read the Bible. Follow with me. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. Don't worry about that. We'd have to tear apart that uh, statement for a while. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. Here he starts getting real honest. Sold under sin. For what I am doing, now here, catch the conflict. For what I am doing, I do not understand. <laughs> Have you ever done, you've done some, something so stupid, you say, I don't understand, why, why did I do that? He's explaining it right here. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. For what I'm doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, he almost sounds schizophrenic here a little bit. Follow, he's just in this conflict. For what I will to do, that I do not practice, but what I hate, that I do. Have you ever been down that road? You just look at what you... I have a dear friend that shared with me his testimony. He told me how God delivered him out of some... Ser and he did some things. He said, when I was doing it, I hated it. But I did it anyway. It was this flesh and spirit war. He said, but what I hate that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that is in it. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present within me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I do. 
<laughs> How many of you got that? You feel that way. Man, it's this struggle, this inner struggle. Paul was struggling it. He says, now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present within me. The one who wills to do good, for I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Man. But then he says this, but thanks be to God, or I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And then he goes on to how we break the spirit of condemnation off our life. But see, understand something about us. There's no, we all have this conflict. It's a battle between, uh, between uh, the, the Spirit of God in us and the, the, the natural sin nature or the flesh. In fact, Paul told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 10, when it came to temptation, he said this, verse 11, he, uh, verse 12, he said, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And then he says this, No temptation has overtaken you except which is common to man. Everybody say common to man. You know, if we didn't have a battle, if we didn't have a sin nature, there would be no battle. And what I just read to you about Paul, he was battling it. He said, how? And he was saying, in my strength, in my own strength, I'm not going to win this battle. Oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me? Thank God that Jesus Christ, because he did for me, we'll, we'll flesh that out in a little later. But then he tells the Corinthians, nope, all the temptations you go through, it's common. These are common things. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. Everybody say, God is faithful. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but will with the temptation will, allow, will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I'm going to pause and tell a friend's partial story. He'll remain anonymous till I get his permission. But he told me this story this weekend about his drug addiction. That he was drug and how terrible it was. He shot up cocaine. He was a. He said I was a high functioning drug addict. He said one that when he first started doing drugs, he was in business, and he said I stayed high all the time. And he said I made two million dollars that year while I was high. He was high functioning drug addict. One day he was listening to the radio and he heard a preacher in Dallas share the gospel and he got born again. He got on fire for God and he set drugs down for six, I think six years, maybe longer. But one day, the temptation to do drugs. Somebody gave him some drugs and he said, I carried it around with me for a week. He said one day in a weak moment, he was sitting in a parking lot and he got his needle out and he got ready, he got it in the needle and he was about to shoot up and the phone rang. His spiritual mama, or his, his mama who's a spiritual lady. Hey son, I just felt like I needed to call you today and tell you that I love you and I'm praying for you. 
He had a way of escape. God looked down. Unfortunately, after Mama hung up, he stuck it in his veins. And eight, nine years later, he found himself sitting in front of his probation officer about to go to prison. Had a wife and a kid, successful business, failed his drug, time, drug test the fourth time. His probation officer said, stand up, sir. She handcuffed him and left the room. He said, I sat down with my wife and kid out the and he wept and wept and wept and knew it's over. The probation officer came back, said, stand up, sir. She got behind and she started unlocking the handcuffs. And she whispered in his ear, she said, I don't know why I'm doing this. But I'm going to give you another chance. She took him off, said, you're free to go. He went home and he slept for three days. And he woke up on the third day and never had another desire for drugs. With every temptation, God's mercy and grace comes to help us be able to say no. Send us a way of escape and give us the strength to stand in the face of temptation, in the face of adversity. We all have flesh. We all have sin nature that we have to uh, find ourselves under the control and the influence of the Holy Spirit. And when those, I used to say, this, I think this is a good aspect of self-control. The ability to apply the strength of God in your life at any given moment, at any given time, under any given circumstance, to say no to sin and yes to Him. You see, before we were born again, we were under the slavery of sin. We couldn't help it. But once we were born again, we, we then have choices that we make in life. How many of you know, my friend, God sent him a way of escape by way of a praying mama. And he had one more time there he could have chosen, what the heck am I doing we all have choices that we make in life that make us or break us, and we all battle with fleshly appetites. Uh, in fact, let me just, you know, we've heard it this way when it comes to the, the big three of fleshly appetites, money, sex, and power. Everybody say money, sex, and power. That, that's, that's the big three when it comes to fleshly appetites. It kind of coordinates. Uh, you don't need to turn there to First John chapter 2 where John says this, uh, don't love the world or the things in, in the world. Anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh... The lust, that's, that's sex. The lust of the eyes, uh, that's stuff, that's money. Uh, and, and, and then the, what's it? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that's power that we all want in our life. That's the, and it said, that's of the world, and the world is passing away. And it kind of lines up with that, uh, money, sex, and power idea. Let me give it to you in a different way. We all, ba- we all face the battle of the inner flesh with stuff things in life. Galatians 5, in, the lust, in the, the, the lust of the flesh, there's idolatry, jealousies, selfish ambitions, all that have to do with things we look and stuff we want. How many of you know you can get all the stuff you want and you still feel empty on the inside? 
As one friend of mine, preacher friend from years ago, he said, you can wear alligator shoes and can't walk right. You can have a king-sized bed and not sleep at night. You can have everything that life can give you and still not be living. Because stuff does not satisfy. And that's what Jesus said. He said Jesus said this in Mark 4, 19, he, or, or like Luke 12, 15. He said, beware of covetousness. And that's always looking at stuff. Man, how many of this world has to do, appeals to our flesh? <clears throat> I remember as a kid, the Sears and Roebuck catalog. As a kid, Sears and Roebuck taught me to lust for other things and stuff. How many of you, when, when it got close to Christmas, you'd start circling all the stuff in the Sears and Roebuck catalog. See, the teenagers, they don't even know what that is. In fact, teenagers, some of them never been to Sears. That's that place in the mall that nobody goes. But this world is about covetousness. Jesus said, beware of covetousness, for life does not consist of the abundance of things which we possess. We've seen that just recently in culture and people of the world, people that have everything going for them, whether it's the chef or this, they have everything going. They have all the stuff, but they have no life, and they end up uh, taking their life because they have realized something, uh, something's wrong on the inside, but the stuff did not satisfy. But we all have this desire for stuff. The cool thing is, I think it's, let me just slip over there. In the middle of all this temptations for stuff, uh, I think I'm right. Let me just, it's not in my notes. Uh, the Bible says he gives us all good things to enjoy. It all comes from him. We lust after stuff. In fact, Mark in, this, in the parable of the sower and the seed, he, he talks about that we have, we have desires for other things. So that's the inner battle. It's for stuff. We want stuff, more stuff. And we get stuff and we don't like the stuff. And, and, and in fact, when we get the stuff, then we think, this is not the stuff I really wanted. I want that. And, and how many of you know culture? Uh, these, <laughs> you remember when the iPhone came out? Stacy said when the first one came out, she waited in line to get one, correct? She got one of the first models. But you know what they know about you? They know that if they'll give you a better model, you'll want a better phone. And I think I got the best one right now. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a guilty party. I mean, it thing's so smart, it looks at me and goes, oh, that's Sam. I'll open up. Ah. He knows me. We want stuff. Fleshly appetites. And then, of course, not just stuff, but sex. Woo, that's the biggest. Uh, in fact, go back to the, the works of the flesh uh, and the lusts of the flesh. The first four or five have to do with sexual immorality. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. It's no different then and it's no different now. Because that's one of the battles of our life. And, and, and we've got to, in fact, here's what Paul said about that when he talked about marriage. He said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, uh, I think it's verse 8 and 9. He's talking about people who are single. He said, it's better if you can stay single. But if, if you cannot 
be temperate or self-controlled when it comes to your sexual desires. He said it's better to get married than to burn sexually, to always be battling this thing. He realized, hey, this is an issue. We are all born uh, 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 with these desires because God created us that way, but it has to be under the governance, governance and the guidance of God Almighty. Uh, and, and let me just say, when it comes to sexual temptation, it's impossible to say no to it in your own flesh because your flesh says, I want it, I need it, I got to have it. Am I with you? Are you with me today? But under the control of the Word of God and the will of God and the Holy Spirit in our life, embracing Him, we're going to talk about how to do that, we can begin to resist. It's common to man. And guess what? We can find victory, but it's a battle. Stuff, sex, and servants, I'll say it that way. That is power. Being able to, how many of you, something on the inside of you says, I want to be the boss. I want to be in charge. I want to take control. How many of you, that's fleshly in nature. It's, it's what John called the pride of life. In fact, Paul said this, if you go back to Galatians, as he's closing out this book, he just, and I, I never saw it in context with this bigger picture, but look what Paul said in verse 14 of chapter 6, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and me to the world. Man, he was just saying, listen, God forbid that I should ever do anything, uh, boast in my natural strength or be prideful in my natural self. I just boast in the fact that Jesus Christ died for me and changed my life and give me the power on the inside to say no to sin and yes to him. How many of you begin to see this is last but not least? We got fleshly appetites, and then we have fleshly attitudes. Real quickly, they're just natural. You look in the fruit of the lust of the flesh, and you'll find attitudes that are unhealthy and unholy. Jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, contentions, hatred, and then there's angst. Fleshly attitude. How many of you know worry is not of God? When we're worrying and fretting. In fact, I think it's just as big a demonic influence in the world as anger. It's the opposite of faith that moves us closer to God. And so we all have these battles. How many of you are with me? How many of you can say, Pastor, I know what you're talking about when it comes to this battle of the flesh and the spirit. I, hey, you don't need to tell me, man. I'm in a battle. I've, I've, I've experienced my highs and lows. In fact, some of you may be like my friend. You found yourself in places where you thought, I, what am I going to do here as a believer? Uh, how am I going to get through this as a believer? I've got to get through this. And so today I just want to give you the common cure. How many of you would like appreciate a cure for this? And let me say, it has daily written all over it. You ever, you ever, anybody take vitamins? How many of you, most of them say, what, in fact, one says, one a day. Everybody say one a day. In other words, you've got to do this every day. This is a daily thing. 
to keep you healthy and whole. Things you got to do daily. And so I want to listen. If you'll embrace this idea that I'm going to share with you and begin to live a lifestyle of of this daily, you'll begin to find yourself uh, finding greater strength and greater authority against the flesh to be able to say no to sin and yes to him. Are you with me? Say amen. Here we go. The common cure, our inner strength, I'm going to make this statement, is increased or decreased by the choices we make on a daily basis. Let me say that. Now, we all have the Holy Spirit within us, and we want the fruit of the Spirit to live and abide within us, but at the same time, we have to choose some things in life. We have to make choices in life in order for this manifestation to be fully realized with us, uh, within us. So our choices, whether good or bad, determine whether our strength, inner strength to say no to sin and yes to Him, either increases or decreases. And how many of you know, if you make two or three bad choices, you, you feel like, just, just be a witness. You make two or three bad choices, you feel like the life gets sucked right out of you, right? My friend said this. He went on a down, that one choice, he went on a downward spiral. Not only as a drug addict, but he ran with all the wrong peeps and did all the wrong things. And he told me this story and it broke my heart. His wife said, I'm not going to leave him. I'm going to finally turn him over to God. And he said, I had a little workshop out behind our house that he basically lived in. And that's where he did his drugs in. And he said his wife would come in with a plate of food with tears in her eyes. And while he was sitting there in his deluded state and give him food and feed him and take care of him even when and and he 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 made bad one bad choice that spiraled him down into the hole and all the while he told me he said I hate what I'm doing but I can't stop I'm going to give you some help to everybody say help me Jesus let me show you this this principle Turn to Second Peter. We'll be done quickly. Take a ride if you're in Galatians. Take a ride. Go past Hebrews to First and Second Peter. Let me show you what Peter says about this characteristic we call temperance or self-control. Verse 5, but also for the... Um, well, gosh, it's hard for me not to get greater context. Uh, P- Peter tells about God's divine power. Verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord as his... Dif- Now, catch his divine power. you got to understand, this is how we operate in life. This is how we appropriate in life, through his divine power. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, we have power to be godly now. His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, virtue, by which he has given to us exceedingly great precious promises that through these we may be partakers, notice may, may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We all go, woo, Jesus, thank you for your divine power. But it says it may be partakers. In other words, there's a choice here. And so then he says, but also for this very reason, because of what Christ has done for us, because of his divine power being made manifest to us and through us, he says this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control. What's Peter not just alluding to? He's saying, listen, 
You got the power. You've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. But you know what you got to do every morning? You got to wake up every morning and say, I'm adding to my faith virtue. I'm adding to my virtue knowledge. I'm adding to knowledge self-control. I've got the power of the, of the Christ on the inside of me. And no longer am I a slave to sin. No longer am I under the spell of the devil. I'm under the control and the influence of the Holy Ghost. And I do not have to sin. And when sin comes my way, I can resist it in the power of the Spirit of God. And I can say no to sin and yes to Him. Not in your own strength. In the power of God Almighty, it's a choice. Let me give you three quick choices to help us daily empower the strength of God on the inside of us to be temperate in all things. Number one, choose to stand in the liberty of Calvary. If you go back to Galatians, that's what Paul said to the Galatian church. He said this, okay, after all that, let me just say, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free. How did Christ set you free? Go to Romans 6 and read this. You'll realize you were under the slave in the spell, but Christ came and he died for you and he rose again so you could have a new life. And he said, you got to reckon yourself dead to sin and alive unto God through Christ Jesus. You're no longer a slave to sin. You're a slave of God. Don't give your body over, your instruments of your body over unto uncleanness and unrighteousness, but yield your body as instruments of righteousness unto God. Woo! I love that now. In other words, we can every day get up and say, I'm not going to sin today. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to make a choice to live under the control and the influence and the benefit of the cross of Christ that set me free from this, this thing called sin. I'm no longer, an, uh, I, though I was born a sinner, now I'm a saint in Christ Jesus. And I don't have to sin. Everybody say, I don't have to sin. Amen. So every day, Paul said, therefore, he said, stand fast. In other words, if you don't stand fast in your liberty, somebody will take it away from you. Take your stand. You know what Paul said about his own life? He said this. It's in Corinthians. I'd have to look it up. He said, I die daily. He's not talking about physical death. What's he talking about? Death to self. Death to sin. I die daily every day. My sin nature wants to get up with me and control my life. And I have to say, nope, you're not in charge. I'm dead to sin and alive unto God through Christ Jesus. I reckon myself dead to sin. I add up the facts. That's what reckon means in, John, in Romans 6. He said, I reckon myself dead and reckon yourselves dead indeed unto sin. That means it's a mathematical term. At, term. Add up all the facts and then act accordingly. Jesus did this for me. He died for me. He, he was buried in a borrowed tomb. He rose again so I could have a new life. He took his sin upon me uh, at Calvary. And therefore, I'm free from sin and I don't have to sin. He set me free and I've been liberated from the the curse of sin and so therefore I add up all that at, up and I just act accordingly because of what Christ did choose daily to stand in the liberty of Calvary number two from Galatians choose to be led by the spirit Galatians 5 18 says but if you're led by the spirit you're not under the law led means under the governance and guidance of listen I'm telling you the Holy Spirit will lead you through this treacherous world we call life. And if you're following the leading of the Spirit and you're under the control and the influence of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says you'll hear something whisper to you, this is the way, go ye in it. And the Spirit of God will not lead you down a, the wrong path. The Spirit of God will lead you into the right path, in the right place. 
If we live under the governance and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in our life, daily wake up and say, Lord, I just don't need a goose bump. I need a guidance system in me. Some people think the Holy Ghost is a goose bump. No, the Holy Ghost is not a goose bump. He's, the, he's our spiritual guidance system. And I can't tell you how many times I, in my life I've heard the Spirit of God say, don't go that way. And sadly, there have been times when I went that way and realized, man, I should have listened to the voice of God. And then there are times where I heard the Spirit of God, don't go that way. And then I look back and I realize, thank God, I heard the voice of God. And so daily we get up and we, we stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set us free and we appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. That's what, what Jesus said. He said, I'm not going to leave you without help. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. He'll teach you all things. He'll guide you into all truth. And, he, he, and, and I'll not leave you comfortless or helpless. We have the Holy Spirit. He'll guide us through life. And I'm telling you, when you're in the flow of the Spirit of God and you're under the governance of the Holy Ghost, you have a higher authority in charge of your life that has authority over the devil and hell and all those things that are coming after you to get you off track. Somebody say amen. And I'm about done and I'm just two minutes. Choose not only to stand in the liberty of Calvary, choose to be led by the Spirit and then choose to live in the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says this, if you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We could just talk about that a lot, but let me just kind of delineate these two. Led by the Spirit has to do with governance. Living in the Spirit has to do with environment. Creating a spiritual environment. That you walk in. Has to do with, how many of you know you're in charge of your environment? Oh, preacher, you don't know what school I go to, the workplace I'm in, that's a terrible environment. Makes you want to cuss every time I go to work. No, you're in charge of your environment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ladies, let me say this about your home. Take control of your environment. Be careful what your kids allow into the environment. Be qu- get, be, well, hey, stir the proper environment. Praise and worship. Love and caring and meekness. Patience, kindness, goodness. You make those choices every day. The strength of God. Your flesh tries to rise up. You say, nope. I'm under the governance of the Holy Ghost. Jesus died so I don't have to serve sin anymore. I serve a Savior. I got the power of the Holy Ghost in me. And as Peter said, I've got his divine, exceeding, great, and precious promises whereby them I can escape the corruption that is in the world through love. Somebody say amen. Let's stand together. Whoo, that's the fruit of the Spirit, folks. That was last, but it's certainly not least. And today as we close out this service, let's embrace the power. Let's begin to make right choices. A choice to live under the truth of liberty in Calvary. A choice to be led by the Spirit, listening to the voice of God. And there's so many more things I could say. I'm just getting you started. And a choice to, to live in the Spirit and walk in the Spirit. Take charge of your spiritual environment. 
chase out those fleshly environments from the inside of your life and out of your mind. Some of you got things in your mind that seem to pull you down. Listen, we got authority over that by the power of the Holy Ghost. And if you're a believer, sin doesn't have to control your life. You can be led by the fruit of the Spirit called self-control and temperance. Father, today, we pause now at the close of this service to apply the truths of your word in our life. As believers, we embrace the power of the Holy Spirit and the divine, his divine power in our life, not just to survive, but to thrive and to walk victoriously in a world that is so polluted, so problematic, so demonic and dark. We know you can help us, Lord, by the power of the Spirit of God, by the power and the authority of the Word of God and the cross of Christ. We embrace the capacity that only you can give to say no to sin and yes to Him. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Whoo. If I go, whoo. Thank you, Jesus. I feel better. Let's take this truth. Let's take this principle. Let's take this fruit, this aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. Let's go back. In fact, if you've missed some of these, go back. They're online. Listen to them and, and just allow all these different manifestations of the productivity of God to be made manifest in our life day by day. Everybody love the Lord. Say amen. Father, we thank you for the word of God and we thank you for this church family. Lord, help us to be better. Lord, let's help us to be better, Lord, with everything we do for your kingdom and for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God.